But just because it's taking longer, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get there. Welcome to Real You, Real Money, the podcast that will inspire you to love all of who you are and love making big money all at the same time. I'm Ray Dodd, your host and resident money coach, and week in, week out, I'm here to remind you that your feelings and experiences of money have nothing to do with who you are and everything to do with who you've been told you have to be. This podcast is all about powerful conversations that will support you in building a business that reflects who you actually are. This is not a one-size-fits-all style podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates the individual you are and more than that, believes your uniqueness is the key to you making the sort of money you truly want to. Thank you for being here. Let's do this thing. Welcome to Real Euro Money. Thank you so much for being here. Today's guest is Dr. Gemma, who is an empowerment coach for mums. And Gemma is super passionate about seeing unfulfilled mums shift out of survival mode. I'm so happy Gemma's here. Some of you will have followed me for as long as knowing that my initial niche when I started coaching was mums and business. And that very much evolved into what you see, what what you hear today. So I'm really excited to delve into this because I feel like we're going to have a lot of stuff to say to each other and to kind of expand on one another's thoughts. So same question I ask. First of all, welcome, Gemma. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation with you. Me too. So tell us a bit about how you got, you ended up doing what you do, because I was noticing on your website that first of all, because obviously there's a doctor in your name, that you have a very interesting sounding PhD amongst other things. So I'd love to know how you got, like how you ended up being an empowerment coach for mums. It's a really long story. (laughs) (laughs) The best ones are. So basically, I started with, I did my BSc, BSc even, in Mm. medical genetics, and then went on to do Mm. my PhD in neurobiology. I took a gap year, then did my PhD. And whilst I did my PhD, I started a blog Mm. um, called Celery and Cupcakes. And it was all about my, it was basically like an online journal, documenting my journey back to a kind of healthy mindset around food because I had a very disordered kind of relationship Mm. with food in my kind of teens and early 20s and I just loved the whole blogging community it was Mm. amazing it was a great creative release for me whilst doing like a really intense PhD and just really enjoyed it and as that progressed I started working with brands doing reviews and then Mm. doing kind of sponsorship and brand work that led into recipe development and then I kind of discovered kind of like holistic well-being Mm. so the mindset the self-care and how Mm. that kind of interplays with the nutrition and the fitness side of it like it's this whole holistic Mm. kind of entity it's not just about the food and nutrition and I then kind of shifted into coaching because I wanted to help the people the women that were reading my blog on a much deeper level Mm. and especially when I became a mum and after my PhD, I went to kind of work in London. I was commuting mm-hmm. from Oxford to London, working medical communications, really long hours. Like I'll catch the train at like 6 a.m. And sometimes I won't get back until 10 p.m. And when I fell oh. pregnant with my son, I was like, well, this, how is this going to work? Like in terms yeah. of like nursery, like do I put him in nursery yeah. in Oxford or do I put him in nursery yeah. in 
London like my husband works really long hours he's a doctor NHS doctor mm -hmm. so he works incredibly long hours and I was fortunate that my mum stayed at home like until for a very very long time like she mm. just put her life on pause essentially yeah look after me and my, my brother so I, I kind of appreciated and had that I guess privilege of having my mum at home all the time mm -hmm. like she was mm -hmm. there for the school pickup she was there yeah. for the school assemblies and that's what I wanted for my 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 children so mm. very early on I guess when I was earning money from my blog I just decided to take that leap like I was earning money from it let's do it full time and I did I took that leap it was risky I didn't know how it was going to turn out but again I was in a fortunate position where I could kind of mm. experiment and take that risk so I did and it worked out great I was doing recipe development I was doing brand partnerships with like some of the biggest brands in the UK mm. it was amazing but yeah like I said I wanted to work with the women that were work like I, that where I was actually yeah. reading my blog on a much deeper level so I did my coaching certification much further on when I was pregnant with my second actually I did my coaching certification and then set up my business when I had a, a newborn and a toddler my coaching mm -hmm. business so that was like a whole new yeah me too <laughs> it's crazy isn't it yeah um, it's something that I, I just felt called to do so I, mm. I wanted to do it so yeah I got that out there and I haven't looked back mm. and so now in terms of your balance what sort of hours are you working on your business are you like yeah what sort of hours are you doing I think with each child, it's <laughs> it's kind of changed. I'm, I'm mm. currently in a season where I've got one-year-old twins. So I've got four children. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, there's two more children. Yes, there's two more children. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. My, yeah. My third yeah. turned into a fourth. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> yes, that was quite the experience. Yeah. But they're, they're starting nursery mm. next week. They're going for two days. So I'll have some time back mm. where I can really get into my business. But I have literally just gone back to kind of like squeezing my business in where I can. And yeah. I I kind of again feel grateful that I've created this this business this lifestyle where I can dial it up and dial it down as and when I need yeah. to um, yeah. because then my last babies I took a longer maternity leave mm. but I, it has been really nice getting into my business into in the pockets of time that I have been able to yeah. connect with clients that's my business is I kind of see it as like me time as well because I mm. love it so much so if I had a hard day with the kids, they've gone to bed. I sometimes they've all just kind of like potter in my business in the evening. Yeah. Time to kind of, I don't know, just kind of decompress, mm. do something for me where I feel confident, where I feel yeah. of value in a different way that isn't mm. attached to motherhood. It's always almost like me kind of reclaiming myself and detaching myself from yeah. my kids in the way. Not in a horrible, like, I love my kids, but yeah, yeah, it's really no. important that we have that time for ourselves and that headspace. Yeah, it's so interesting because Mike, to hear you talk about it and reflect, because like I said, I started my business. Well, if I if we go to my hypnobirthing business, I actually started that when I was pregnant with Gus, my youngest, and I was doing hypnobirthing and all of that stuff. And then I became a teacher while I was pregnant. And then the coaching business, I think he was about 18 months old. And it was very much like he's that age where you get your laptop out and they just shut your laptop. You know, like you are like not able to do it alongside yeah. them. So I would be running off like nap times, all of that stuff and getting work done. But it's so interesting as well, I think, reflecting on it because they're now ele 11 and 8. I can't believe I've got an 11 year old. We're doing secondary schools. I mean, it's just not. 
it's terrifying. I'm not actually all right with it, by the way, everybody. <laughs> I don't like this bit. I love them. I don't like this whole secondary scores. <laughs> but anyway, it's really interesting, I think, hearing you talk about that, particularly with young kids, about what, I don't know what the word is. I want to sort of use the word escape, but that probably isn't quite fair. Just the contrast of looking after children, but also having something that's so for you and for outside of you as a mother is, is so, I found so incredibly important for me. Yep, so important. Because I really yeah. believe that you can be a great mother, you can love your mm. kids, mm. but wanting for your something for yourself, wanting yeah. to aspire for more, yeah. wanting to reconnect with yourself. Yeah. doesn't mean that you don't love your kids any less. You can be no. a fantastic mom, but still aspire for more. It's fascinating, is it? Because a lot of the time mums will say, and I don't want to say, I'm not saying that what I'm about to say is a wrong thing. I get it. But I also sometimes wish people would expand on it. You know, when people you say, what's your motivation for your business? And people are like, my children. Mm-hmm. And I'm often like, that's great. But what about you? Yeah. Like, what, what in it is just for you that's not just, like, because there's massive parts of my motivation in my business is for my children. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go like deep straight away. So, my mum died when I when she was 44. So I'm 40 now. My mum died when she was 44. And a bit like you, she was a stay-at-home mum. Mm-hmm. She did do admin jobs, but we were like her whole world. Mm-hmm. And I was 20 when she died. So she was just coming out of us being, my brother had just left home, us being our entire world. And she didn't really have anything for herself. And so I really take that with me in terms of I adore my children my my like I love hanging out with them and my world is very much like about them partly because I just love I literally love hanging out with them they're my favorite people but also I know like I don't want to get to 44 54 64 fingers crossed and be like oh I forgot about me what about me do you see that with clients is that something you have similar thoughts on or different thoughts on definitely all the time like because motherhood is all consuming you give mm. everything you know your your last breath to your children like mm. you, you, they are your life and I have this thing where I say that I love my children but they're not my world there's more to me yeah. than my children and it's yeah. okay to say that it's okay mm. to admit that I think societal expectations kind of mm. say that when you have children that's it like that, that yeah. is your life yeah, but no, absolutely. There's, there's layers to to all of us, you know. Yeah. You were a person before, and she's still there, yeah. but she just gets buried under layer of la- and layer of like responsibility, the juggle, different tasks, mm. and all of that. She's still there, yeah. and she's still important too. And it's just mm. about kind of chipping away and putting that mm. jigsaw piece back together. And sometimes it doesn't come together straight away it takes Mm. months it can take years sometimes to put that but slowly slowly you can start to grasp and obviously we go through different seasons as well through motherhood we have that really intense kind of newborn phase and like my twins they're like 16 months now they're about to start nursery and again I'm in Mm. that phase like if I try and do like some work with my laptop open and they're around they just literally shut it (laughs) they're trying to yeah yeah yeah. 
just not possible. And now that I've got, they've got two days at nursery, I, I feel like, yeah, mm. this is, I like my space is opening up again. Not that yeah. I hated my time with them. I've actually loved watching them grow and spending time with them. And it's been wonderful. But I need time for me as well. And yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of dual, duality of motherhood. I think, yeah, it's just... I- I'm actually a much better mum when I'm running a business like I initially because of the model I'd had possibly similar to you I'd always presumed I'd be a stay-at-home mum I just was like I think that's where and I really thought that's where I'd find my happiness like I'd be most satisfied because I'd never found a job I liked that's the other thing like I'd never found a space where I was like oh I love this job I just didn't understand that so I was like oh children that will do it when I'm a mum I'll like do loads of crafts with them and it's gonna be amazing and all of that stuff and I everyone's heard me say before I would say Pinterest lied to me it was not how I imagined at all and I really remember before starting my business particularly with two children just really struggling to for them to be everything because it meant like I, we did cloth nappies with my oldest not with my youngest <laughs> because it was a bit too much but with my youngest we did cloth nappies and sometimes like my day was pinned on did I get them washed and on the line mm-hmm. like that was how good was my day did yeah. that happen and making my world bigger than that actually opened me up for just feeling like I could make more mistakes. Actually, it put less pressure on me, weirdly, to be in that juggle, which was an intense juggle, no doubt about it. It actually felt easier on both sides to do that. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? That it's like really, Yeah, it's really interesting. And I mean, I'm the same, like I, with my eldest children, they were exclusively like breastfed. Mm-hmm. And then with twins, I, I thought, mm. well, uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to manage breastfeeding. And two other children. Two, yeah, and two other children. So I'm like, when I was pregnant with them, I decided to combi feed them. So top mm-hmm. them up with formula just to relieve some of that mm. pressure. And at first I felt guilty. I thought I'd already, they're not even born yet and I've already failed them. Like, mm. like you know, cause I, cause the other two were exclusively breastfed and they're all having, you know, well, fed is best is my opinion. But still I felt this sense of like guilt, like, oh, I'm failing them. Cause it's going to be different for them. But yeah. It's honestly been like the best decision um in terms of navigating motherhood with with four children yeah yeah <laughs> just to release some of that pressure and I think we do need to be more compassionate with ourselves mm. Mm. um and even I have this thing where I'm quite house proud I like things in in certain places yeah when my house is kind of clean my external environment is tidy my mind is tidy and as you can imagine with four kids, the house is upside down, yeah. cars are laundry just everywhere. And at one point I thought, oh, I've kind of lowered my standards a bit. Mm. But I reframed that, that actually I haven't lowered my standards. I'm just more self-compassionate yeah. towards myself. Like, it's okay. Like, as long as yeah. people, as long as the kids have got like clean underwear mm-hmm. and, you know, and they've got clothes in their wardrobe and they're fed and they're happy, mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, <laughs> Yeah. The minimum is now clean underwear. Yeah. I mean, and even sometimes I'm like, well, just one day. Can you do that? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's really, it's really interesting you say that because I think if I hadn't had the same realization, I would not be running the business at all. So Mm -hmm. I would for a long time, 
I would do my work in nap times. And I was really lucky with Stan, my oldest. That was when I was training to be a breastfeeding counsellor. He slept like clockwork from, I don't remember what the time, I used to know the time so well. I think it was like half 12 to about two, which was amazing. Didn't happen with Gus, my youngest, absolutely not. Gus was walking at eight months. Like he was a completely different beast of a child. It was not, (laughs) it was not fun. but he's amazing but he's just so much more active than his like his brother who's basically horizontal so I would at first I would like run around and tidy first because I was like I can't work until everything feels like it's in its place and I just had to stop doing that and eventually that led me to move the boys into a room together and take over our third room as my office so that I could Mm -hmm. keep that relatively tidy I'm looking around and then just shut the door and just Mm -hmm. pretend the rest of the house doesn't exist but I know my husband is the main caregiver with the kids. So he drops them off. He picks them up. His work works around the kids in a way that mine doesn't now. And I know if someone shows up at the door and our house is a mess, no one's blaming him for that. No one's going, oh, Phil hasn't tidy. They're like, Ray works a lot, doesn't she? So that's why. Yeah. And it's it's that thing of having to be more okay with the fact of how you'll be perceived, I think, as well. Like having to be like, okay, yeah, um, my kids, like I don't, I choose not to iron. That's a life choice. Yeah. <laughs> and my kids go to school in crinkly clothes every day. And I just sort of squeeze down their collars and hope for the best. Love it. <laughs> but I know that that could be perceived a certain way. I'm rarely at school pickups. Mm-hmm. But I just, ha- and I, and I do feel it like, but I have to just be like, I can't do all the things. Exactly. My mantra is you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Mm. And it is that kind of push and pull, I think, of wanting to be there for your children, but also you need to be there for yourself as well. Yeah. And when you are there for yourself and nurturing yourself, you can yeah. be such a better mom, you know, yeah. an all-round better human generally. Um, and yeah, you do have to let something slide in order for that to happen. Unfortunately, I, I don't know if there's that kind of question can mums really have it all yeah Um, I don't think anyone can I don't think anyone can or they can in a way that Mm. feels good to them yeah you can have I think you can have what you desire yeah because I think those desires are put there for a reason Mm -hmm. but I don't think it looks necessarily like having it having it all in that way like I don't I don't like in that way that may like I was certainly brought up with that like 80s 90s feminism idea that you would have everything Mm -hmm. because the reason that men had that is because they basically have uh, in the 80s and 90s particularly had unpaid housemaids that's that's how they did that because they're not having to do the childcare, they're not having to do any cleaning Mm -hmm. they're not having like it's so we can't do all of that and everything else stop yeah that's true it's like when I want to go out with my friends like my if my husband goes out he just I'm going I'm going here on this day doesn't even ask what I'm doing he just goes out (laughs) not that I have any plans When I go out, I have to consult the family calendar, see when he's working, when yeah. he's not working, you know, because it's the kids to consider. But when he mm-hmm. wants to go out, I'm just, yeah, yeah, he's on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ball game. <laughs> Completely. And this is really interesting because this kind of like breeds, brings us into what I really, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, which is you talk in your social media content, particularly a lot about failure. And I think that's such an interesting, when I look at like what you what you do, mm-hmm. it's so interesting to me that you talk about failure so much. And I wondered like how, like why is it an important topic 
for someone who focuses on empowering mums? Like, why do you talk about that topic so much? I, the thing that mystifies me about failure Mm. is that it happens all the time. Whether that's in business, whether it's in work, whether it's in motherhood in some, in different varying levels of magnitude, it happens all the time. Things go Mm. wrong, things don't go to plan, things don't work out how you expect them to work out. But it's such a taboo topic. Everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about the successes, the six figures in business. Like when Mm. things like Instagram's a highlight reel. So I wanted to run a retreat for mums. I think it was in June. And I promoted it. I was hyped about it. Really, like, it was going to be the best thing. I had amazing comments about it. Yeah. Every, like, some people, like, loved it but couldn't make the date. Some people just like, yeah, I'm going to book on. But I didn't get enough numbers to actually run mm, the retreat. Mm. And at the time, I was so, I was heartbroken because I was so, like, for it and wanted to do it. And I just posted on my social media that I'm not running my retreat because I didn't fill enough spaces yeah and actually I'm proud of that decision like I'm happy with that decision because if I had gone ahead with it I would have lost a lot of money like paying my suppliers at the caterers yeah the yoga instructor coming so it was the in my interest to just cancel it and just refund the tickets yeah that had sold but I got so much it was a vulnerable post because obviously no one wants to fail but I had so many people saying oh thank you Mm. thank you so much for being kind of honest and kind of breaking that barrier down of like things don't go right all the time in business yeah and in life life in general like I had so many like so much discussion around it in my dms and just lots of thank yous and appreciation Mm. for that particular post and I have done it before in the past as well when a workshop didn't didn't sell Mm. and I've had workshops that haven't sold I've had some that have sold really well yeah. I've had off, like coaching offers that I put out there that haven't really been a hit mm. that's okay like it's all an experiment don't get me wrong it's taken a lot of work <laughs> I've invested in coaching a lot of money yeah. in coaching to get yeah. to this point but failure is just part of the journey for me like yeah you, sometimes you do things that either go right that either go mm. wrong and yeah. that's just that's just it that's just the flip of the coin and sometimes you can do all the right things I promoted this retreat in a way that I promoted past events yeah in exactly the same way but it just didn't it just didn't work out and some things are just out of your control like Mm. sometimes you do all the right things and it still doesn't work and for me it's about meeting failure with compassion Mm. and not taking it personally just because something went wrong doesn't mm. mean that you're a failure or you're not good enough you're not doing enough mm. and all you know all that kind of all those little kind of negative voices in your head that will be going off yeah. um yeah. when things don't work out it's not necessarily a reflection on you sometimes yeah. things just don't work out and it's an experiment you just move on to the next thing don't let it kind of knock you down yes mm. it's completely shit when it goes wrong yeah <laughs> It's not nice. No one wants to fail. Mm. No, you, you want everything to go right. But life is life. It has ebbs and flows. Yeah. And um, it's about riding that wave and having the resilience to do so. So making sure you have the infrastructure, like a toolbox that you can dip into mm. when things do get wrong. So you can feel the feelings, yeah. learn from it, because we learn so much from when things go wrong compared to when things go right. Processing it and moving on. 
and mm. coming back better and stronger mm-hmm. and just kind of it's part of the evolution process I guess yeah it's interesting isn't it because we tend to like make so much meaning out of it when we get it wrong and we tend to like really knit it to who we are like really stitch it onto our soul almost of like this says so much about what not only what I've done but I think a lot of what we do is make it about what is possible for us in the future like that that is a a statement on what's possible for us what would be your tips for people to like learn the lessons without making up a shit ton of stories about what it means for us going forward think detaching yourself from the outcome Mm. is a big one for me and a big lesson that I've learned in my business journey like detaching yourself from the outcome because there's Mm. so many kind of outside sources at play yeah that are just beyond your control yeah what you can control is how you respond to that that failure and detaching yourself from the outcome just knowing it's okay just accepting that failure is Mm. an option yeah because if you are completely blindsided and you've got tunnel vision that mm. oh my god this is going to be amazing well obviously it's going to be amazing what you're putting out there is amazing otherwise you wouldn't put it out there but if you're completely kind of in that kind of tunnel vision that oh my god it's going to everything's going to work out everything's going to be great which mm. i guess in some ways you need to have that kind of excitement and enthusiasm to sell the thing mm. but at the same time you need to have that kind of kind of in the sidecar riding along with you yeah failure could be an option like it, it, yeah it might not work out as planned you might get less sign-ups than you wanted or yeah. not make as much money or all those things yeah um, so it could go just have it in the back of your mind that it could go either way yeah if it goes like if it's a big success fantastic amazing if it goes wrong and it doesn't go how you planned not so amazing but it's still okay yeah it's okay so having that detachment over the outcome I think is a massive thing to me and just accepting that it could Mm. go either way yeah there's an awesome Oprah clip from like before her talk show like took off I think it's when it just got put on tv and like it's I think it's in the it's in the early 80s and she the news anchors like and and what if it does well and she's like oh it'd be amazing if it does did well if it would be amazing and then he's like and if it doesn't and she goes I will be okay like and she was like and if it doesn't I will still be okay like it's all like and it's such a beautiful because I think she's so good at that sort of thing generally of like you know obviously she's all into manifesting and all of those things but the way that she holds both of those possibilities as like like she's treating them like either way she's going to learn from them and she's going to be safe and I think that's one of the things that actually funnily enough when we put all of our eggs in the this has to work basket and and we are like holding it so tightly like we're squeezing that thing so tight it actually can go into us not selling the thing because people feel our need to for that thing to succeed otherwise Mm -hmm. it's going to say so much about who we are and actually it can feel too much you know on the other end I always talk about like used car salesmen or like Mm -hmm. people that knock on your door and they need the sale it feels so pressurizing yeah so where whereas I think particularly in the coaching world it can feel like no I've got to be all in I've got 100% believe it's going to happen and if I if I let in any doubt then it's not going to work and all of those things actually being able to hold it more lightly and know that you're good either way that one event 
even multiple, like sometimes I've had years where everything's worked. And sometimes I've had years where it's felt like barely anything's worked. Like something must have worked because I've made money, but it's felt like everything was just like, oh, nothing's landing yeah. in that in that way. And I do think it impacts actually how people receive our work because we start to almost get a bit, it's our needs that are going in the forefront. They're not mm-hmm. the needs of our clients or our customers. Yeah, and I think um, you start kind of leaning into that masculine energy, don't you? Where you're kind of like shouting, you're on stories yeah. every day, kind yeah. of like almost like there's kind of like a level of kind of desperation yeah 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 absolutely and you're kind of shouting from the rooftops and yeah yeah because it's like I need you I need you not that they need you and that's the dynamic should be that like not that your clients are not looking after you when Mm -hmm. they spend money with you like that's not the dynamic we want and it's not a sustainable dynamic. And most of the time you might be like, yeah, but they wouldn't even know. And they probably won't, but I guarantee it just trickles in like mm-hmm. a little bit. And the more we can work on that, it doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> really important before anyone goes, oh God, it doesn't have to be perfect right away. But, and it's really interesting as you're talking as well, because I can just really see the parallels with motherhood that you were talking about. So like you were talking about feeling like you'd failed from the off mm-hmm. by like making decisions for your family around feeding. Mm-hmm. And it, it is interesting, I think, do you think, here's my question, do you think the way that women particularly are societally conditioned makes us less good with failure? Do you think it has an impact? Massively. I think a lot yeah. of it is kind of generational as well. Mm. Like our parents, n- not intentionally. Mm-hmm. I think the way what they've learned from generations before them kind of sticks and that yeah. kind of, that that seeps into the way that they kind of train us and nurture yeah. us. I think school as well, that kind of reward culture yeah. at school has a massive impact. And also societal culture, like expectations on what yeah. success looks like, yeah. like the hustle culture. To be to be worthy and valuable, you must mm. be, uh, I don't know, doing all the time. You must be super productive. You, you have to be six, you know, having all these successes. And yeah. there's a lot of kind of six-figure kind of talk in like the coaching mm. world and stuff. And that's that's seen as like the height of success yeah varying levels of success my success Mm. is obviously going to be different to your version of success yeah yeah and it goes on and on so yeah yeah, there's a massive sway of kind of societal expectations Mm. and generational kind of expectations that really does have an impact on the way we feel as mothers um, yeah. and how we kind of treat our children and how we feel about ourselves as well. Yeah. I also think men generally, and I am generalizing, get more, what is the word I'm looking for? Like they get more leeway to make mistakes. I always think about, and this is because I could use a much more up-to-date example now, but remember, do you remember when Winona Ryder got caught stealing stuff? Like, yeah. so she was, I think she probably had an addiction issue and she, or a mental health problem maybe. And she got caught stealing some stuff from one of the big department stores in New York, I think it was. And she was cancelled before cancelling was a thing for years. She didn't work for years. Mel Gibson is a Nazi sympathising, wife-beating beater of a man. Like that's well documented. And he still gets, he still got jobs throughout that. And so there's also, and we we see this a lot with, um, you know, like all a dad really has to do is like take their kid out for like a day and that everyone's like oh he's such an involved dad he's so amazing 
And like, and then, but if a woman's out for the gazillionth time and she glances at her phone, then it's like, oh, did you see, like, look at her not reading. And like the the difference, the like different spaces there are Mm -hmm. is huge. And I think that totally gets played out in business where we feel like we're sometimes like a really common thing. I don't know if you get this with your clients too, with my clients is I I don't feel like I'm a real business owner. I don't think like Mm -hmm. I'm really doing this properly. Like, I don't think it counts or whatever it is. And I think we feel like we're playing at it so much. Whereas a man, a man of men I've met, <laughs> who are like, oh, I'm doing a startup or whatever. And you're like, you get into the grips of like what they're doing and it's nothing. They're not doing anything. They've got an idea that they might work on. But they they own that. Yeah. And they're like, I'm, a, you know, I start up businesses, blah, 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 or I'm a whatever. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> And then you've got other, these women like running proper businesses to be like, yeah, but I don't think it really counts because, yeah, like it's... our expectations for ourselves are so off. Yeah, and the contrast is quite striking. It's like mm. there was this thing, uh, this kind of meme or something on Facebook where women turning up without makeup to a job interview were taken less yes. seriously than yes. those that did. Like, what is what's going what on? Is that? What is wrong with the world? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were calling it pretty tax or something yeah. in that women have to spend much more on makeup and clothes in order to get jobs and get promotions. Uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I know. Sad times, sad times. It's exhausting as well. And I think mm-hmm. it's why in my work we talk so much about the conditioning part, because otherwise I think like we can feel like we're just making it up. Like we can feel like we're sort of just delusional and not like just can't understand why it feels a certain way it's why I love that you work with mums because I think there is this you know once you bring in that motherhood conditioning and you couple it with business Mm -hmm. like how are you a good mum who runs a business that's Mm -hmm. a good question actually well like I get that there's no like but you know like that is a real thing right like you know women are supposed to not make their kids the center of their world but also they, they shouldn't be working too much either so mm-hmm. like how do people manage that like that kind of impossible uh, the impossible standards how do we manage the impossible standards I think that's the question it's such a juggling act and there's that whole thing about mum work-life balance and having this kind of equal kind of time for both but for me balance is such a triggering word it kind of Mm. kind of I don't know conveys that everything has to be of equal amounts at all yes. times like yeah. that perfection yeah. you know those kind of balancing scales for me the word that I relate to more is harmony mm. it allows that sense of flow fluidity sometimes I need to be more with my kid more with my kids as opposed to my business sometimes I'm working more on my business than then it's time with my kids and that's that's okay and just allowing yourself to have that flexibility because as moms yeah. are like no days are the same really like your yeah. kids one day your kid wakes up at seven o'clock the next day they wake up at 5 a.m like it's just like all over the place yeah yeah look and at he- me I'm like he's eight <laughs> he's eight and it's still happening <laughs> I know I have an eight-year-old too I feel I feel the pain <laughs> but yeah it's having that kind of flexibility and self-compassion mm. like I'm mm. so big on self-compassion I talk about it a lot like, it's okay to not have everything perfect yeah 
allow yourself to have that sense of harmony in your routine and I say that in all senses like all aspects of motherhood whether it's trying to run a business going to work spending time with your children even finding time for yourself if you want like a lot of mums come to me wanting to reconnect with themselves their identity Mm. find time for themselves find time for things that they want to do have a bit of a self-care routine I always say to them have some flexibility in your routine a lot of the time your routine can't be regimented because your children aren't robots yeah yeah they're not robots you can't program them to wake up at a certain time so you can do like this seven step morning routine oh man (laughs) that I wrote and post when I was a motherhood and business coach I think it said (laughs) sorry for my language I think it said fuck the miracle morning (laughs) because it's just or whatever it's called I was just like oh my god I had a child that woke up at three in the morning every day and yeah. and I and yes, I tried everything before someone goes, Did you ever try this? Like, yes, <laughs> I tried these things. Like he just did that and it's continued with his early mornings. They're not mm-hmm. as bad now. But the idea, I was like, I do get up that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so exhausting. So exhausting. It um, really is exhausting. And it's that kind of juggling. I think for mums, it's such a juggling act, trying to be the best person you can be for mm-hmm. yourself trying to have time for yourself trying to maintain the house trying yeah. to you know cooking the school run trying to have a career like it's just this whole kind of ecosystem of bought like juggling yeah and the mother load is just ah yeah um, yeah I think a lot of it is about kind of how can we lessen that how can we yeah. just calm things down slow things down yes so we don't burn out and just yeah. in a heap on the floor yeah my top tip is opt out of as much of it as you can mm-hmm. like as much like we were talking about tidiness for example yeah like opt out I've got a friend who like so one of the like whole mental load things is presents right for kids parties and stuff one of my friends just puts a fiver in a in, a, in an envelope she's like yeah. absolutely not that's what I'm doing I can't I do not have time yeah. so like I think wherever you can opting out of the things you're supposed to do is really helpful because like we said, you can't do all the things, nor do you need to, to have happy children. And, you know, for want of a better word, well-raised, well, like, well-raised children. You, yeah. They don't need a number of the things we're told they need in order exactly. to thrive. So yeah. one more question, because we're coming up to time that I wanted to ask. One of the things we were talking about before you hit record was about mums particularly aspiring for more so this is something I feel really strongly about women and people who don't fit into the very narrow sort of white middle class man space Mm -hmm. and how much we have been taught to settle for so little Mm -hmm. often and I think it's a particularly unique question for a number of people but if we concentrate on mums because like we said there's so much to juggle there there's so many people's needs to look at and even if you're doing what I'm talking about which is opting out and like getting your partner more involved there's still an element of training that person which should not be our responsibility but is because who else is going to do it so there's still there's all this like stuff how do we when we've got so much and it can feel like so much I think for some women for some mothers when you say all right and aspire for more why don't you make more money as well they're like oh god help me (laughs) So what would you say to people like, because I really, I'm with you. Like, I absolutely think we are underestimating a huge portions of society of what's possible for them, like huge portions. Mm -hmm. 
But what do we do when everything already feels so overwhelming and we've got this sense that we were meant for more? I think, yeah, like society doesn't make it easy for mums either to find space for themselves. Like child costs are just insane. They want mums to go back to work, this amazing talented group of women to go back to work. But the child costs are just ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah. It's not easy. It's hard. Mm. It feels hard because it is hard. Yeah. Um, I would say start small yeah focus when everything is so overwhelming the world is so noisy your life is so overstimulating Mm. you can't you can't go all in as much as you want to just start small and focus on one thing when things are feeling overwhelming just start on one thing take one step towards where you want to be Mm. whatever that whatever that is whether it's starting a business you know your one your first one thing could be I don't know planning some content or like setting mm. up an Instagram account or I don't know just brainstorming some ideas on your offers or, or what, whatever just start yeah. small on one thing yeah. and embracing the fact that it might take a little bit longer yeah than you want it to but just because it's taking longer it doesn't mean that you're not going to get there Yes, yes, absolutely. I also think the whole, you know, that like I this is such a parenting cliche, but it's so true, especially now that I'm coming into the very the next phase of motherhood. Like I think there's three phases. Well, maybe there's four. Toddlers feel like their own beast. But like there's, there's babies. <laughs> but like the pre the school, like primary school phase <laughs> is quite long. Like and you mm. get really comfortable in it. And it's been really interesting, but equally like my kid cycles off to the park now and he's gone on his own and I know <laughs> but it's like it's it's a very different phase but that yeah. phrase the the days are long but the years are short mm-hmm. it's true in terms of how quickly your children grow it's also true even though god if I was hearing this I'm so sorry if you're in the trenches of babyhood and toddlers when I'm saying this because I used to be like shut up it doesn't feel like that but but now here I am saying it because I know it's true like mm-hmm. you are building that business is going to be able it's going to change and transform with your kids and your kids will not need you mm-hmm. as much actually upsettingly soon <laughs> like where you're like oh god you don't like it's you don't need me as much mm-hmm. and so I think there is an element of also like building the business for that and I totally agree with like one thing at a time layering it in getting it so that something's just happening Mm -hmm. and then I think you'll be so amazed when you're like wait a minute I have so much more time because it does feel like you're never going to get that you back doesn't it like that like it really feels like what did I do I remember being like what did I do with all that time Mm -hmm. I don't understand I still I think I plucked my eyebrows a lot more (laughs) (laughs) I often think that I'm like my eyebrows were way neater what did I do I still don't really know yeah (laughs) I know but when you're in the trenches it does feel like that it does feel really all-consuming yeah and overwhelming and sometimes like you're suffocating like yeah it's just so 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 much so So, much and like, let me tell you, I used to live next door to my brother. And when I had my second child, and if you ever listen to this, Gus, this wasn't to do with you. Just having two children is quite the adjustment, or it was for me. And I, my brother knocked on the door because he could hear me crying through the wall. 
and he was like are you okay and I was like yeah kind of just because it's just like it's it's just a lot it's a lot and that's what I'm saying like actually working really helped me because it pulled me out of Mm -hmm. that like it wasn't navel gazing is an unkind way to say it It wasn't that but it was a very introspective my world was very small and it was too much for me for somebody else they'd probably thrive in that space Mm -hmm. but for me, it was too much. Oh, definitely. I mean, I always say that my business saved my sanity, especially yes. in those early days. Like it was just time for me. I'm not the mum. I know I'm not the mum that can sit on the carpet all day playing with Duplo. That just isn't me. Like, oh I need, my God, I need no. More. I need more. Yeah. If that's don't make you, me role play. great. Like, kudos to you. Like, well, you're don't, brilliant you. I'm in awe. <laughs> if that's you, you are the best of humans, in my opinion, because <laughs> I can't. I cannot. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole varying different, you know, there's a whole spectrum of different mums, you know, and I think you just have to play to your strengths and what works for you as a mum. So I think if you don't, if you try and fit yourself into a kind of mould that doesn't fit, that's when it all falls apart. Which is that not just brilliant advice for business as well? (laughs) Like that's like you're on a podcast called Real (laughs) You Real Money. Like that exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I think we can take that and be like, you know, when you do that in your business, you make so much more money. And when you do that in motherhood, you have a much more satisfying, easeful, enjoyable experience of motherhood when we're not trying to be who we're supposed to be. We're being who we are. Yeah, just letting go of the shirts and just being yourself, staying your own lane. And it's yeah, it's just liberating. So much freedom. It's amazing. Yeah, I actually really do enjoy motherhood because of that because that's very much my take on it. Mm-hmm. I just really like, like I said, I like hanging out with these two massively nerdy children of mine. And it's it that's how it feels. It didn't when they were toddlers and mm-hmm. babies uh, found that much harder. But since they're about four, I would say, I actually just, it feels much more natural for me personally, not saying yeah. that that's everyone's experience. So we've run out of time, annoyingly. I've got so many things I can ask you. <laughs> but I also wanted to, we, I always do these quick fire questions at the end mm-hmm. of the podcast. So I wanted to finish off by asking you the three questions that I ask everybody. Okay. The first one is, finish this sentence, money is? Oh gosh, money isn't everything. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so obviously totally agree with that. So the second <laughs> question is, is there anything you've read either like business self-development or like not like that you would recommend to people listening any books any books oh my god so many how to fail by mm. years of the day actually yeah. it's so relevant to this conversation yeah the book and her podcast so her many podcast, interesting yeah. conversations on that yeah about failure she's, and how we can navigate it yeah she's brilliant on that um okay and lastly if you could only eat one thing Mm-hmm. For the rest of your life, what are you going to eat? And I feel like you knew that immediately. What you're going to say? Chocolate. I want to say chocolate. Yeah. Probably, probably not good for my like arteries and like. But I, I just don't think there's any consequences. So I think you can eat whatever you want, but okay. there's no consequences. So you're chocolate good. Chocolate all day long. Nice. All day long. Yeah, because imagine if you could eat chocolate but not feel sick after. Yeah. Like that's pretty epic. Nice. Cool. Thank you so much. Can you let people know how they can find you as well? I spend far too long on Instagram, <laughs> but you can find me at underscore Dr. Gemma. Um, my web- website is www.drgemma.co.uk. And I have a podcast called Reclaiming Mum that is on all streaming platforms. Nice. 
Thank you so much for being here. And we'll put all of that into show notes so people can get to that easily. And thank you everyone for listening. And I will see you very soon. Bye.